The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. Staying warm and dry on this slightly wet November evening. I don't think our transmitters reach over to the west coast, but if you can pick us up on the edge there, I hope you're staying warm and dry. The emphasis on dry. So we are Drive Alive Radio Show. Uh, we're a road safety show primarily. We like to talk to individuals involved in the transport sector uh, as well as interviewing locals and occasionally playing some jolly good music. Uh, But tonight we are back to our interview format and we're going to have a very knowledgeable uh, individual involved in the transport sector that we haven't heard much from actually. Uh, But just before I introduce them, Thank you to MPD Fuels uh, for fueling us up. Do call in to their petrol stations around the region with the blue, white and red logo to get some good value fuel because we could all do with good value at the moment. So anyway, back to our guest this evening. Uh, He's been involved with cycling for a long time, I suspect, but we'll find out uh, exactly how long for. Uh, and we're going to talk about all things cycling around the region tonight. So, welcome to the show, Bevan Woodward. Kia ora, Stephen. Thank you so much for having me on your show. No, thank you for coming in tonight. And I was going to ask you, did you cycle in? But I know you cycled in, and that is on a night like this. Uh, that's all cred to you. I enjoyed the ride. Um, sure, it was raining a little bit, starting to get a bit dark, but it's just lovely on the bike, gliding along, whizzing down. I borrowed my wife's e-bike, and um, I was here in no time. Yeah, okay, that's good because the, it's it's probably quite refreshing out now with the at this time of night with the. Yeah, that's right. I find that um, being on the bike, just spinning my legs, um, taking it all in, the, the wind on your face, it, it does um, refresh. It does give you um, a little bit of a buzz, and um, yeah, it, it certainly makes me happy. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good because yes, you can have a sort of it's raining, hunker down. But hey, sometimes rain is nice to feel, as long as there's not too much of it. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so tell us about oh, the organisations you you work for, then Bevan, because you're involved in the cycle um, cycling in industry, I guess, or, or sector for for quite a while. Yes, that's correct. I guess I'd call it the uh, cycling advocacy 
area, yeah. and uh, a lot of it's unpaid, so it's still work. You, in fact, I work sometimes so hard, um, uh, much harder than what I've ever worked in any paid employment, uh, but I don't get paid. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I love it. Um, I have a real passion for it, and so. Here in Nelson, I'm the convener of Bicycle Nelson Bays, and we're an advocacy group who would like to see safer and more attractive uh, facilities for, for people to cycle. And also, I'm involved with uh, a new organisation called Bike Hub Nelson, and uh-huh. that's where we take in donated bikes, fix them up, and give them back to the community. Right. Uh, so those bikes, they could be sort of... Uh, any reasonable age as long as they're in sort of reasonable condition and stuff? Yeah, sure. Um, it's it's easier for us if, if bikes are in, in good condition of, and um, uh, that means we can quickly turn them around, we give them a safety check mm-hmm. and uh, there's, that's a 10-step safety check, so we're, we're confident that the bikes are safe. And then, as I say, we give them back to the community if a bike is in really bad condition, then we might strip it down, take any good parts off it, and then we take that to the metal recyclers, r- sorry, recyclers, and uh, get some money for it. And of course, it's um, being the metal's being reused; it's not going to yeah, landfill. That's good. And you've got potentially some spare parts for um, yeah other bikes and stuff. So what? So if um, you know some parents or. Uh, say older folk might have some bicycles lying around in the back of the garage that you know the teenagers have finished with and the last time they used it kind of five years ago and they've always been wondering oh what do we do with that or um you you'd be able to take them at the bike hub in nelson then that's right uh, they can find us on facebook bike hub nelson or simply bikehubnelson.com on the website or on the internet, um, and get hold of us. And uh, if they can't drop the bikes off, then generally we can go and pick up the bikes. Okay, that's cool. And and could you tell us a little bit about the the groups or individuals that might be benefiting from from this, from what you've seen over the your work? Yeah, sure. We've recently uh, um, we started the bike hub earlier this year in May, and. We've now given away about 150 bikes or rehomed, wow. so this feels great. Yeah. Every time we're there, we're open twice a week. It's a wonderful feeling, people coming in, uh, keen to get on on a bike, and often people might be feeling the pinch, as you, as you mentioned earlier, the price of, of, yeah. um, of living yeah. is, is, is increasing. So we think the bike um, is a wonderful way to enable people to travel to where they need to go. And, of course, it's low cost. So, um, yeah, families coming in, uh, parents getting their kids on bikes, um, also the parents getting bikes, of course. We get uh, quite a few former refugees coming in for bikes. Uh-huh. Uh, young people leaving school, they need to um, get to work, so um, they're getting on onto bikes. Uh, quite a variety, really, and we've even had uh, a number of tricycles Donated and we've repurposed those. We've rehomed. Don't see them. many of them about. No, that's right. There's not very many. I didn't know. I, I was shocked. We yeah. got three donated to us by different people, and lovely seeing older people who don't have such good balance being able to enjoy the mobility offered by a, a tricycle, uh, an adult tricycle. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. No, I can remember as a kid before I had a bicycle bike. I had a trike, and you, you could you could do some quite entertaining things on a tricycle but uh yeah 
That must have been a while ago, Stephen. That you was must have a, while a very ago. good memory. It yeah. was a while. No, I can distinctly. It was a red and white one. I was quite, I was right. quite fond of my tricycle. That yeah. was a while ago. But yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so that that sounds that sounds uh, really good. Getting so only since May, and then 150 um, redistributed in those few months. But mm. you could you could always sort of use more, or sure. Uh, there's a good steady flow happening every week. Bikes come in, bikes get fixed up, and bikes go out right. the door. Um, so yes, we welcome more donations of of hopefully good condition bikes. Yeah, so I, gu- I guess it's possible there might be a few being replaced or upgraded uh, in the coming Christmas season that that uh, you could uh, be the beneficiaries of. So bring mm. it into a good home at the bike hub. Um, you're based at Saxton's Saxon Field. Saxon yes, Field, I yeah, think that's right. Yeah. And, and for people that know, there's a, there's a COVID testing station, and we're right beside that on the corner um, of, of um, gosh, sorry, 142 Saxon Road. Um, right. There's also the uh, Oakland's Milk Dispensary. Oh, yes, that's right. And we're right beside that pretty right much. Right beside that pretty yeah. much. That's, that's good. That's good to know. Okay, so... But if I can just say, just people sure. should check our Facebook or oh, yes. website as to when we're open. Yes, because we it's, won't be open all the time. No, Monday course. evenings yeah. and Wednesday afternoons um, at this time. Yeah. 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 No, that's cool. That's cool. So all sorts of bikes being donated, kids' bikes, mountain bikes, road bikes. Yeah, look, it's, it's mainly um, uh, basic mountain bikes or good commuter bikes. We don't do too much in the way of road bikes uh, okay. because... They're a little bit specialist, and for the kind of people we're wanting to cater to, we want them to be able to cycle to school, to cycle to work yeah. around town. Ah, okay. and, and a road bike is, is more of a, a you know, bit hardcore. bit hardcore, yes. yeah. Okay. Mm. Okay, so that's, yeah, that sounds a really good initiative to be mm. um, running for the community. So thanks for putting that together with your uh, volunteers as well who get to. Uh, yeah, look, there's a great team of volunteers from different well, all walks of life, and I should also say that we welcome new volunteers. We offer training, we show you how to fix up bikes, uh, but also there's all different kinds of skills that you need when you're running an organisation like that, whether it's people looking after your website or yeah. people helping yeah. with promotion, uh, people just picking up bikes. Um, but we offer all the training. Uh, it's a great team. We seem to have a lot of fun, um, and we're doing what we think is a wonderful thing because it feels great whenever we give a bike to someone. Yeah, no, that 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 is cool. And I suspect, as you said, you might get some people who may not have been on a bike for an awful long time, or are presumably a lot of first-time riders, but some are sort of getting back to biking. And yeah, y- yes, that's right. I think overall, or I think many people are now thinking a bit more about the bike and are thinking about it from either maybe saving some money to getting a bit of fitness to maybe in response to concern about climate change. It's just a whole lot of benefits. And also, when it's good, it's great. You know, it's just so much fun to ride a bike. Yeah, we'll talk about that a bit more because it's it's trying to to get people – because we're all kind of very wedded to our cars – because for for various reasons and some of those are very practical reasons but the bike like you said has a lot of a lot of side benefits apart from you know not polluting low cost doesn't need fuel sorry mpd although mpd could probably help with the air pump maybe i'll pump it up on the gas station but yeah that's about as far as they go probably uh but yes uh 
lots of and and health aspects i guess particularly in terms of general fitness and things totally general fitness and as i say or alluded to earlier actually mental health it just feels really good to be out on the bike and um the feeling of freedom the feeling of wind in your face um getting your blood pumping it's, it's good for your mental health i believe Okay, that's that's cool. So we'll talk we'll talk some more about that and stuff later. But let's let's go on to the um, the bicycle Nelson Bays because that's that's the sort of the advocacy group um, you mentioned. How how did that get going and how how's that um, been doing? Okay, so I don't know much about the history of bicycle Nelson Bays. Whilst I grew up in Nelson as a kid cycling everywhere um, I, I um, ended up living up north in a big city um, well quite a big city uh, with terrible traffic problems um, and uh, only came back to Nelson less than three years ago so uh. when I got here I, I joined up with Bicycle Nelson Bays and was keen to help the cause okay so t- tell us a little bit about those those causes that the bicycle um Nelson Bays is involved in then particularly? Yeah, sure. At one level, it's really simple. We would just like to see safe and pleasant conditions for cycling. And that's really about it. Uh-huh. Which, you know, that, wow, that's simple. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, the detail, the doing, um, seems to get awfully complex and convoluted. And... Yeah, for some reason, we are seeing what we consider to be very slow progress. Now, granted, some of the things that we want to see happen are quite major changes. And whenever you propose change, there would always be people who are opposed to that change. Yeah. Uh, so, whether it's the status quo, keep the status quo, or why do we need to change, or exactly. cost things, or yeah. Yeah. All these reasons come out of the woodwork and so whilst it's simple to us as to what we want making that change um seems to be problematic okay okay so uh, are some of those changes presumably more cycleways or cycle laning or cycle traffic lights or, or things like things yes like that? certainly um the provision of of cycle lanes um because that can cause controversy because it, that may require removing some car parking. Yeah, yeah. Um, that might require even if, if, for example, there were four lanes on a road, taking one of those lanes mm-hmm. um, and, and repurposing it, reallocating it to cycling. So that can be controversial. Another major initiative or change that we really need to see really need to see happen is reducing. Our urban speed limits, so that so they're safer for mm-hmm. um, for walking and cycling, and and that generally means reducing the speed limits from fifty kilometres per hour down to thirty kilometres per hour, and that, as you can imagine, can get a lot of pushback. Yeah. So we were actually. Um Oh, was it with one of the um, Nelson City Council town planners? I think we were discussing that uh, f- a few months back because, of course, Nelson has put their inner s- well. I've got to define this carefully. Uh, the real inner inner city um, speed limits down to thirty, I think, in the last twelve months, haven't they? Yes, so they have. They yep. have 
done done that not not on the Collingwood Street or the um, Rutherford Street roads but if you go in the square as it were that that those in Halifax make then it mm. is it is down to 30 for that so um and I think they were pretty pleased with how that seemed to be going and adopted or um that that's obviously a change that has been made so that's starting starting to see positive changes there and when you're certainly going through town i mean the difference between for a, for a motorist well it's if you're driving from trafalgar to collingwood street well it might take you three seconds four seconds five seconds slower than it would have been but the difference for pedestrians and cyclists in terms of safety is gonna be huge it, it is huge speed difference yeah it's huge basically if uh if, if you can um uh, have traffic traveling at no more than 30 kilometers per hour then you don't need to provide separate cycle lanes it's safe enough ah, okay. for the cyclists and the, and the motor vehicles to share the oh, same that's lane interesting because everybody's going so slow basically yep. yeah yeah and 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 it's also huge because uh, because things are happening a little bit more slowly, then the chance of an of a crash yep. is reduced. And finally, uh, if there is a crash, there's a much greater chance that the pedestrian or the cyclist will survive. Will survive, yeah, yep. yeah. And um, I guess uh, from from that coming down, I guess, I guess some of the challenge is going to be the enforcement of that because I think. Well, I can't remember exactly when it came in, but I travel through the city centre fairly regularly. And let's just say there's quite a few cars who clearly aren't uh, doing 30. They're still up at the 50. Um, so that that's, I guess, one of the challenges there about how that gets enforced and the, the message gets across. Um, but yeah uh so presumably a sort of ex a wider extension of that would be would be something you'd love to see absolutely yeah and without wanting to antagonize people um it really is coming um <laughs> if you go overseas on holiday yeah. and you don't even go have to go very far even if you go to australia um um i mean it all really started coming out of europe um yeah, yeah. you know sweden with the highest um, you know the best uh, road safety in the world um but countries like sweden the netherlands um germany uh, and all throughout europe france and so forth and, and the uk now 30k is becoming the standard and it's happening in the states so it's 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 um the idea of reducing traffic speeds has is happening internationally, and and in New Zealand, Waka Kotahi have now got their head around it. it took them a while, mm -hmm. uh, but they are now um, recognising and uh, supporting uh, reduced traffic speeds. Yeah, and it's well, it's interesting in many of the UK towns, for instance, uh, there'd be quite significant park and ride schemes on the outskirts of towns to. Stop the car or disencourage cars from coming into the town centre. Certainly to do your shopping and stuff, and partly because so much time was spent by cars driving around the town centre looking for a parking mm. space, and it's sort of well, you just leave your car on the outskirts. Regular buses take you back and forth. Okay, it might not be so convenient or exactly when you want it, but um, you can actually waste more time, money, frustration looking for a parking space. Now we might not have got that bad in Nelson at the moment, but it could well go that way in the not too distant future oh, i absolutely agree the idea of park and ride just 
on the outside of Richmond, for example, so that people can catch um, express buses into into, into yeah. the city. Or, um, I think that would work very well here. Yeah, I, I guess the, the, the flip side, because with, with the sort of cycleways in all this, this movement in Europe and Australia and places, do you think it's because they've made the changes more cyclists have come or that there are just more cyclists, more frustration or problems with the cars that they made the changes to sort the problems, which which sort of yeah, is it build it they'll come or um, or we've, we've or, reached or, the limit we've got yeah. to do something different. Look, I think it was a bit of both. Uh, yeah. Change is often messy. Yeah. Um, as much as we like to think we can manage change and it's going to be perfect, it's messy. It's political. Uh, you've got um, advocates on e- either side course, making yeah. their case. You've got the media enjoying the conflict and um, <laughs> hyping that up, cyclists yes. versus motorists, yes, yes, yes. which, of course, in many respects is ridiculous. Um, let's be you know, clear. I own a car. Um, uh-huh. um, I- I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that we, my wife and I only own one car. We used to have two cars, but now we ride our bikes most of the time. But if it's really raining or we have to go further afield, we drive yep. our car. Yep. So I'm not anti-car, but I am anti-car dependency, meaning the car shouldn't be the numero uno way of transport for all of us all the time. It, in New Zealand, it seems that um, the expectation is every adult needs a motor vehicle. And mm-hmm. I believe we need to move away from that. And if you're living in a city, then you should be able to, able, to, able to cope with just having one car per household or maybe tapping into a shared car um, scheme. But I, I believe we're out of balance in New Zealand um, because we have such a we have one of the highest rates of car ownership in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's crazy for New Zealand for a bunch of reasons, and um, uh, and we need to find a bit more balance. So to come back to answer you, answer your original question, Stephen, you know, how does change happen? I think it's yeah. I, I think there's both demand from existing cyclists who are willing to get out there and risk their lives on the road and show that what needs to happen, um, and also transport planners are realising now. We cannot build our way out of congestion. Mm-hmm. You know, the Los Angeles approach to just put providing. another lane on the freeway. Exactly. 16 lane freeways. Maybe for some reason these are not working. Maybe they're actually creating more traffic. Uh-huh. In fact, it's not maybe. They create more traffic. They create more traffic. Okay. So, because wh- what about the arguments? Because um, uh, all councils and governments are sort of. The, the, they kind of have to deliver to so many different groups and um, at, at the moment, as you said, the, the, the majority by far, rightly or wrongly, is, is the car, is, is all of us driving cars. That's, that's by far the massive majority. And in New Zealand particularly, because of the distances between towns and the lack of train rail network, um, whereas a lot of European cities would have, well, well you know, there's an alternative to car when you're visiting Granny down in Dunedin. You just hop on the the equivalent of the train to Dunedin, which would take you all the way in a, in a European country. In New Zealand, we don't have that. So it's um, and and again, there's a kind of chicken and egg argument. Well, if we we can't afford to build the railway when nobody's using it, and it can't justify the investment, but da 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 da. It's this sort of how how do you break the cycle kind of thing. Not, <laughs> Not the bicycle, but the the cycle of these. 
we we need more cars. We need we we haven't got the infrastructure, public transport infrastructure too far to cycle to Botuweka. Da da da. Right. Yeah. Look, good question, and and it's a massive question. I believe the way to break the cycle is to do what you can to improve public transport and to improve walking and cycling and make those modes safe and and attractive. And if I can use the example, maybe from where I used to live up in Auckland, mm-hmm. um, so the Auckland Harbour Bridge, um, you know, lots of vehicles going over it, of course, every day. Um, you know, there's this growth in traffic, what can we do? And they had this idea to build this thing called the Northern Busway. And at the time it was laughed at. And the Mayor, John Banks, at the time said, Aucklanders love their cars. You won't get mm. them out of their cars. This is, this is ridiculous. But anyway, they, the Transport Authority went ahead and did it anyway. Now, in peak period, half of the people coming over the Auckland Harbour Bridge are in are, are in a bus. Is that right? Okay? Half the people. Okay. And that's and so the actual the, the volume of traffic coming over the Auckland Harbour Bridge has been in decline. Um, the number of vehicles has been in decline, and that's you know, a success story which shows that actually New Zealanders will take public transport if it is convenient um, and attractive, and that they put on really nice buses. Um, they're comfortable. They run uh, regularly. They, um, they're on the busway, they don't get held up in the rest of the traffic, they come right into downtown, you don't have to worry about parking your car for the day, um, which, was, which has become very expensive. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of example where, where we can show people a better way, then I believe people will gravitate towards it. And so similarly, I think with um, walking and cycling, as, as we improve conditions for walking and cycling, we reduce speed limits, we put in more raised pedestrian crossings, so it is safe for children to get to school. You know, just this evening, before I came here, I was at a meeting at Victory Primary School, and that's where I went to school. And the place where I parked my bike this evening is now a car park. Mm-hmm. But when I was there, 40-something years ago, <laughs> uh, it was a massive racks. And 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 oh, and basically, all the kids would walk or cycle to school. And when I say massive racks, I mean you know, it was just full of of bikes um, at at the racks at the entrance. And um, you know we've lost that. You know we've and I don't blame any parent who says I'm not going to let my little Johnny walk to school. It's too dangerous. It is. It's crazy dangerous. Mm-hmm. The traffic is fast. There's too much of it. And there's no very few safe crossing points. Because I was going to say, what's what's kind of changed between your childhood years, as it were, and because mm. Christchurch in the earlier part mm. of last century used to be known as Cycle City, mm. wasn't it? And sort mm. of everybody. So, is uh, is it people have got there's, there's just so much more traffic, or um, attitudes have changed, or yeah. because well, cars are a lot more affordable than a lot more people have just got them why why, i guess why don't kids cycle to school anymore i mean my daughter does most of the time when we can when she's not running late anyway uh yeah why why do you think that sort of changed over the years i think it's because transport planners have embraced it and said yep this is good isn't this great that we can have this place where people can just drive to wherever they want whenever Mm -hmm. they want and that's great. 
And I think when you look overseas um, at other at other countries similar to New Zealand, who have ensured that walking, cycling, public transport are being used. They've made it difficult to bring your car into town. Okay. You won't get free car parking like you do in Nelson all day. You can just park on a on a on a, on a street, you know, close to the CBD. Um, the speeds of traffic, um, the lack of pedestrian crossings. Uh, we have really embraced the motor vehicle here uh, in New Zealand, um, you know, with 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 both hands and. And I'm not, as I say, trying to be totally anti-car because the car does have benefits. It is they can be, you know, the convenience they can provide, the comfort they can provide, you know, is amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but too much of a good thing can become a bad thing, and I believe that's what's happened in New Zealand. So we need to find that balance, and we need to pull a whole bunch of the different levers which will correct this imbalance. So as I say, too much free parking, too much space being given to motor vehicles, too easy to get in and around town. You know that when you're driving in in Europe, often roads are blocked off, so that's it's only walking and cycling can get through and or um, public transport. So, you know, at the moment, when you ride a bike around Nelson, there's, there's, there's some really nice things to uh, facilities to ride on but then other times it's just diabolical and you and you you just feel like you're just at high risk and um, whether it's some of our roundabouts whether it's riding from the CBD um, along Hardy Street through Gloucestershire you know to get through to the St Vincent Street cycleway that's scary stuff riding Mm. through there why is that why is that allowed to be why is cycling which is meant to be such a great mode of transport, so dangerous. So, yeah, so that's perhaps something to come up from the sort of the motoring, the motorist educational attitude to cyclists. Is it, is it again, a question of numbers here? Because I'm thinking of countries like, uh, obviously, Holland, Amsterdam, the cities there, mm. big cycle numbers. I mean, the motorists are almost practically outnumbered in potentially those sorts of cities. I'm also thinking of Italian cities. Okay, they're more scooters and um, mopeds. But again, uh, having been in those countries, you see motorists give them a lot more leeway. They, you know, they don't barge in front. They don't, yeah, they're, they're more respected. So is it, is it just simply a numbers game at the moment that the cyclists are in the tiny minority and the motorists are, well, we can stuff you. Sometimes. I think there's a lot in that. Yes, that's right. Because numbers equals political power. power. Yeah. And our councils who manage our streets, our transport system, um, listen to what the drivers or the voters say, and um, they don't want to be voted out. So yeah, that's, a tricky uh, that's a tricky one. What I... Oh, suggest is that we really need to move away from the idea of win-lose, mm-hmm. like if cyclists win that means motorists lose, right? Mm-hmm. And let's try and reframe it into more of a win-win. So if there were less people driving their cars and those people were instead taking the bus or were walking or cycling, would that mean there's less traffic congestion so the people that do have to or really want to drive because we're not here to force people out of their cars. Um, so that those people that want to drive 
then would it not be quicker for them to yes. get in and out of town or get to where they want to go? Apart from wet days, in theory, almost certainly. That, that would be the case that, um, yeah, there would be less congestion, I suspect. You would hope so. Um, and, and the example that we often point to is, look what happens in school holidays. Absolutely, yes. That's you know, the other example, traffic flows so yeah. much better. So why don't we aim to get that effect year-round, not just during school yeah. holidays? What's it going to take to get people to walk, cycle, and use public transport? And I think that when we look at the conditions for walking, cycling, and public transport, it becomes, in my view, abundantly clear that these modes of transport have been run down, and and it's 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 poor, it's dangerous, it's unpleasant. Um, it's great the Northern City Council want to provide a new bus depot, but look at the current bus depot. That appears to me to date out of the 1950s. It's just, you know. <laughs> yes, it does a bit. But we're getting some, ele- well, there are some electronic B cards at the moment, but they're getting even more electronic. So there is some national investment to help come and mm. do that. I, w- I was just, I'm probably going to use myself as an e- example on the, on the cycle front because uh, 90, 95% of the time I would probably drive into work. And that is coming from Stoke to centre of Nelson so it's not exactly far um, and I'm trying to think okay the days when I cycle so I'm, I'm a slightly ageing late 50s guy not very fit uh, so I'd be going oh I don't quite feel up to it I've got that big hill to cycle back up when I come home and I think it might rain and I might get wet and I've got a channel oh I've got to bring my computer into work today or something like that so there's all these things going through oh and I need to leave earlier because I, I, it's going to take me longer. There's all these things going through my head as to why I don't cycle. But are things like electric bikes a sort of game changer here in terms of time saving, energy saving? Um, because now that big hill is not nowhere near as intimidating to cycle back up the railway reserve when I mm. when I've got an electric bike underneath me. I certainly think so. You arrive um, not having to pant up that hill. <laughs> that means you're not hot and sweaty, which That's is right. not a great look when you turn not up to a, a meeting turn up to work, and you're no. sweating. No, it's no. like, yuck. <laughs> that gives cyclists such a bad name. Um, and you can just wear normal clothes. You don't need to change into Lycra or anything like that. Um, you can have racks on your bike, so you can easily just put your computer yep. in so you're not even carrying a backpack. Uh, you can park right outside where you're going. You don't have to worry about where you park the car. Um so you know how long it will take you to get in. There's no... Um, That's true, actually, yes, because you don't get traffic jams. You don't get traffic lanes. jams. No. no, it's just up to you. No, that to, is true. As to, and so you know. So for me, th- th- there's benefits, but I'm curious, have you, to ask you the question, so have you thought about an e-bike or, yeah, what are your thoughts well, on why you take yes, a car like versus... My wife had got an e-bike, so I asked her nicely if I can nick hers. So... <laughs> So it's it's not exactly in the style that I might normally like, but we're very fortunate to have one. And I think that's, again, one of the challenges because e-bikes obviously are not cheap. Uh, they're the price of, you know, some, some lower cost cars mm. and stuff to buy to buy new and stuff. So that's another another consideration for um, many families about affordab- affordability on that side. But they will come down in, in price as the, as the more prevalent they become that's right um yes they are quite expensive and um we have suggested to the government that as part of its clean car rebate 
that they should be including uh, yeah, e-bikes sort of subsidy and things on in, that, in that. why not idea, you know yeah. we we think it's a good idea but we um, have not been successful yeah. <laughs> on that yeah. yet i gu- i guess one of the biggest Oh, well, dare I say, I won't say lobbying, but uh, so we say an opposing view that the council has to cover it is, is going to be the inner city businesses and stuff, which are presumably always struggling for um, customers and, and footfall. And you, I get the impression they're quite wedged. It. You can't take away our car parks. You can't take away. You can't pedestrianize this road. You can't do this because we are going to lose custom and we're already struggling and the city centre is already dying and da 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 you can't do this mm. but is is that a f- false claim because again going back to the European model it seems the pedestrianised streets in cities there s- seem to have more foot traffic that stays there longer because it's a nicer inv- certainly if you're in the sort of cafe or retail sector because it's just a nicer place to sit down and let's have a beer and let's sit outside and Yes, I agree. Um, I think pedestrianisation done well is just a fantastic thing. And I also look at a modern shopping mall. You can't drive your car through That's a true, shopping you mall. Can't. So they obviously think that it works for them. Now, sure, they do provide cheap car parking yeah. you know, very close by. Yeah. So. Um, but as you say, uh, pedestrianisation, if it's done well, is just it works brilliantly. And uh, but once again, it involves change, and uh, that w- attracts opposition. So in Copenhagen, which was, from what I understand, one of the first cities in the world to really embrace pedestrianisation, the retailers there were really up in arms and protested and. Um, did not want pedestrianisation. Okay. Now, of course, they love it and they don't wouldn't want to go back. Um, so it is a difficult conversation. Um, I know it was before I moved back to Nelson, but I understand Upper Trafalgar Street was done as a trial. To yeah. Okay. And and perhaps there's merit in, in trialling these things. Yep. Um, do a good trial, a, a good quality trial, not not too shabby, um, <laughs> and, um, and and let's see if it works. And um, uh, and, and bring in the, the experts, bring in the urban designers who know how to make this stuff work. Because I also do know you can pedestrianise, and it can, it can be a failure, and we don't want that. No. Okay. Yeah. And I must admit, I like I said for the, I'm, I'm certainly a fair weather cyclist. I must admit when I do it, uh, but there was <laughs> there was sometimes a huge, somewhat overly smug satisfaction when uh there's a huge queue of cars going nowhere and i came back one evening and said to my wife well on my cycle into work this morning i overtook a porsche a uh a bmw uh, yeah because yeah. they weren't moving and right. i i obviously cyclists no traffic jams oh uh, it's, it's a great feeling isn't it and um because uh, it's a little bit ironic not to beat up on cars too much, but you know, cars in in a city environment, you're often stuck in, and you're waiting in a queue. And when you're on the bike, you can either go right past that queue or go to the front of that queue. Mm-hmm. And that's a good feeling. That's uh, t- to me, that's real freedom. Yep, yep. And uh, what about because you mentioned about you know some of the inner city or some of the city roads can be quite scary for cyclists. And one of the things that uh, inspired me to get in touch with you, there was an article I think on stuff from a a local cyclist who said she'd you know she loves cycling and the cycleways were great but it's when she got into town and was mixing in with the normal traffic that 
that was quite scary and and is it motorists bad attitude is it ignorance because there there is a cycle code uh, that waka kotai have code for cyclists isn't there about how to yes share the road and treat cyclists and mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. And it talks about taking the lane. And that's where the cyclist does not position them leftmost in the lane. They actually claim the lane by positioning themselves in the centre, therefore making it difficult or impossible for a car to get past. Yeah. And and that's considered in certain situations the best thing to do because if they tried to squeeze past, uh, if you were to the left, there's a you may get run into the curb or something like that. Yeah, car doors opening or car doors exactly. It's a real danger for cyclists. So the idea is in a 30k um, zone, then cyclists can claim the lane because cyclists, even a non-e-bike, can generally sit at about. 25 yeah. kilometers per hour, maybe a little bit less. Um, and so therefore, what's co- the what we refer to as the speed differential is reduced and, and that makes things safer. The problem with through town, as you mentioned earlier, Stephen, is that um, whilst it is signed for 30 kilometers per hour, there hasn't really been much done on the ground to, for, no, for motorists to respond to that in terms of the environment. So they'll still drive at 50k through right. there too often. But the, so the signage is getting better there though, isn't it? Because they have got 30 on the ground as you, as you come in and as you come in yes. and signs up yeah. and stuff. But I guess what I'm referring to is doing more than signs and that might mean um, some cobblestone oh, or okay. a raised pedestrian crossing. That's especially useful as a kind of a threshold to tell motorists, hey, calm down now your speed as you go over this raised pedestrian crossing. You're now in a 30k zone, you've slowed down, so just stay at that speed now until you get to the other side of town and then you can go back to 50. Okay, because yes, I guess some of the the bridge streets and the hardy streets have those, but... Mm. uh, other ones I can't remember the out names of on the outskirts. They they don't have sell one place. Selwyn, that's and, right. They and, don't um, have those. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, so yes, and then then you mentioned roundabouts and things. So, a motorist are they just being sort of you know they're just getting frustrated because you kind of think well if it was your if it was the motorist children cycling in front of them they'd be don't you go anywhere near my kids, uh, and yet when it's somebody else's teenager or granny it's get out of the way what you're just holding up traffic it's like we seem to lose touch of the human in in front there we do don't we sometimes there there can be a bit of a jekyll and hyde thing kiwis are generally so polite and well-mannered towards one another yet behind the wheel we can sometimes turn into these uh monsters um now that's a bit extreme um (laughs) but you know sometimes you're in your vehicle and you're running a bit late so you think i'll just go a bit faster i'll just whiz through here and if i can approach this roundabout and get through quickly then that'd be good because it'll save me from having to slow right down and wait for it and give way so uh, some and dare I say many motorists will approach a roundabout uh, quite quickly and um, with the idea the faster you go the quicker you get through um, meaning you can jump into the smallest of gaps Mm -hmm. and um, that creates a bit of a what I call the Catherine wheel effect of um, you know a spinning firework Um, and so then for the poor pedestrian or the cyclist who's there trying to navigate this thing when cars are just firing through left, right and centre it's like oh my gosh and to make matters worse um, 
the rules for indicating, uh, which changed. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you know, Stephen. The, the rules changed for how you indicate going through on roundabouts. Roundabout. I think it yeah. would be about twelve, thirteen years ago. So yeah. a fairly recent kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, quite a recent change. So a lot of motorists have not picked up on it, and yeah. I can tell you that because I'm a bit of a transport geek. I stand just off off to one side. <laughs> at, at roundabouts, and I count the number of cars yeah. who are who are correctly indicating, and and those who aren't, and roughly half or so are not indicating correctly yeah, when they that's, go that's, through that's, that's a roundabout. Yes, I think we've we've had frequent conversations on this show with others mentions about indicating roundabout, and that yeah. that it's it's not only a safety thing; it's a kind of courtesy thing as well. Yeah. So uh, you know, don't be lazy, but it can really, particularly pedestrians waiting at your exit. So, mum could be your partner with her pram or his pram or whatever mm. waiting to cross the road and yes. you're not signaling yeah they're, they're absolutely relying on every motorist to single single signal yes. where they're coming off the roundabout and and when so it really That's right. is an important yeah, yeah aspect yeah. and for people yeah. trying to get out onto the roundabout yeah that that causes frustration when people yeah. don't signal. so yes it's a bad habit just do it signal just exactly signal all the time no the best practice in design for a roundabout is that on each approach you have a raised pedestrian crossing. Ah, oh, like so, the new ones at the Richmond's countdown? Yes, yeah. exactly right, yes. So three of the approaches have the raised pedestrian crossing. Uh-huh. And before that was put in, a lot of people said, this is madness, this is going to cause terrible congestion, it's not going to work, it's going to be dangerous for pedestrians, and all that. It works great. You know, it's just a and wonderful no thing. no accidents or stuff and no Look, I, I don't. I don't know if there's been no accidents, but um, I haven't heard of any nasty accidents. Uh, but I'm not the authority in that area. Uh, but just seeing people using it, it works, and it calms down the traffic. And with a roundabout, if you slow things down, it just works ah, better. Okay. Um, yeah. And in fact, you actually get more traffic through these things because when you calm things down and go a little bit slower, it's like. Um, um, a stitch in time saves nine. That's a very uh, old expression, but uh, I'm trying to think of a more up-to-date expression that that that, um, that, that communicates that. But when, uh, as counterintuitive as it, as it may seem, when vehicles go faster, that actually means they that they need a larger physical gap between the vehicles because that they're moving at higher yeah. speed, yeah, yeah. and that means that you're not you're getting reduced throughput of vehicles. So when you calm the speed down, you get more vehicles moving through. Yes. No, I can think of your example, the um, Annersbrook Road uh, roundabout on the state highway that goes off to the... I, I can't think I've ever seen any cyclists navigating that. I can, I can, I can fully understand why, because it's quite difficult to navigate it as a motorist yeah. during yeah. rush hour yeah. uh, to actually get past that. I, I agree, and I, I think the speed on that is, is, is really inappropriate. The speed limits that Waka Kotahi have on the, on the roundabouts... Is, is is unsafe, inappropriate. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just the, wrong. The council might say, well, for some directions, there's the flyover that cyclists can can take, and pedestrians can obviously take to navigate that. But yeah, that's a that's a tricky one, balancing the needs there. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess one other thing I want to pose, um, and I can kind of understand why some cyclists do that because it, because it must seem like you know or feel like you're going out into a battlefield a lot of the times with cars but um i suspect we've we've all seen some bad behavior 
from motorists, but we can also sometimes see some bad behaviour from cyclists, mm. um, the particularly ignoring of red lights or cycling up onto the pavement to avoid a red light, then going on the other side. And so, yes, I, I guess some motorists would, might say, well, what about the cyclists doing that sort of thing and stuff? But you can get bad behaviour in all sorts of methods of transport kind of thing. Yes, th that's right. Um, it's not good when us cyclists, uh, well, I, should, I shouldn't get into the us and them sort of argument, but... Um, when cyclists exhibit bad behaviour and I myself have been guilty of it at times and I do think why am I doing that why am I kind of breaking the rule why did I do that and um, I think you do get into a mindset where you feel like it's you versus yeah for, you're almost in survival yeah. mode you want to get out of that situation if I can get out of this traffic light situation where there's all this traffic all all waiting, all queued up, ready to go. If I jump this red light because there's no, I guess there's no traffic coming. I'll just go ahead now. Then I can um, avoid all this traffic and and just get out of here. But um, you're right. It, uh, a lot of people that cycle at the moment, they are the brave, the risk takers, and hence they are potentially more inclined to break the rules. That's not. Uh, that's, that's not an acceptable excuse for why it happens, but I suspect yeah. that's partly why. Yeah, I can, I can understand the sort of battle mentality, but like it yeah. is the, it's the sort of pedestrian waiting at the other side of the traffic lights. Oh, there's, it's all red, I can go. And then a cyclist suddenly comes. Yeah, that's, that's of, not you know, on. Yeah, that's, that's really bad. That's that the sort of thing. Yeah, with the, we all need to follow the um, road stuff. But mm. one, one of the, so the last, because. Gosh, we've only got 10 minutes left. Um, it's probably more the safety techniques then and messages to motorists, particularly about how can we help cyclists and, and make it a safer environment. Because you're, you're right, I think when, when you feel it's safer, you're probably going to get more people mm. cycling as if they have a bad experience or, you know, feel they almost get run off the road or don't get respect from cars. Um, it's It's going to keep those numbers low because I don't, I don't want to put myself at risk so there was one method I know that the, some groups are keen to promote which is called um, isn't it the Dutch reach when you're opening car doors because that can be a particularly horrible scenario for cyclists when you're cycling through town is that car door going to open is that car door so tell us about what the Dutch reach is when when yeah sure to get into for all us motorists to get in the habit too right yes so um when we are sitting in the driver's seat and we go to open our vehicle, we've, we've parked up and um, we're going to open the door to get out, uh, generally we use our right hand and we just yep. grab the, the lever and, we, and I guess, he says without much confidence, uh, we look in our rear vision mirror um, and have a glance Hopefully and we don't we do. see anything and, and so we open the door. Um, the Dutch method, um, and this is of course converting from the fact that they drive on the other side of yeah. the road but they don't use their right hand they rotate their torso to the right they use their left hand to grab the handle and that then enables them to be turning their body and actually looking with their own eyes yeah. and seeing the entire road behind them to check that there's not a cyclist coming through potentially in that blind spot and so um, that will 
hopefully ensure that a car door is not opened on a cyclist. Yeah, so just just doing that technique, I mean, it just takes a second longer. I would presume you've got to, instead of opening with your right hand, you reach across with your left, you turn your whole body. As you heard, our voice is going away from the microphone. That just <laughs> proves our head is naturally yes. turning when we do that. And that's also, as well as checking in the mirror, that's actually looking to see. And, and that can literally save a life. That, you, I yeah. mean, that, that I... I can't imagine almost anything worse than you opening a car door and seeing a cyclist smash into it and knowing, oh, my God, what have I done kind of thing. That, that yeah. is just yeah. horrendous because... Because the really, really horrific thing about it is that can then send a cyclist sprawling into the traffic lane traffic, where yeah. they might get run over by another vehicle. Yeah. And that... Is something which we do n- yeah. not want to think about. So, so yeah, that's, so that's a really simple thing. Every car driver can learn to do and train you, and it does take some time mm-hmm. to get because you know you're in a habit a lifetime. But if if you can teach yourself or get your kids or your partner to help you, remind you when you open your car door, use your left hand and look round. Yeah, wherever it, you are, just yeah. get in that habit. And that, that can literally save a life. Fantastic. That's a great message. Thank you for raising yeah, that, Stephen. So that, Fantastic. That would be a really good um, one to do. And what, what about passing distances for cyclists? Because you said when they're sharing the road um, in some mm. areas and stuff. What What's what's safe techniques for cars when yep. you've got a cyclist in front? Because cars can get, I know myself, you can get nervous because you can feel, well, I've got pressure from cars behind. You feel this kind mm. of, all oh, these cars, are I'm going slower and da 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 da, da. And, But... Uh, what's what's a safe way to do it? Yeah, safe way is to slow down and wait until there is s- space f- to pass. And um, yep, yes, it can feel pressure from vehicles behind you. If I'm driving a vehicle, I might actually um, just um, what's the right word? Um, p- push on my uh, brakes, um, just sort of uh, pumping them, so to speak, and uh, not so that I'm braking in a really bad way, <laughs> yeah. but uh, but just so that my rear lights uh, are actually flashing, um, just to let motorists really be alert that, that actually I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm doing some braking. Yeah, so, um, because some motorists may expect you just to, to shoot through the gap, because let's say there's an oncoming vehicle, or let's say there's a corner, so you, so you, 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 you can't go into the other lane to overtake the cyclist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And really, you want to give the cyclist a meter at least, okay? Yeah. Um, it is a it's it's a it's an awful feeling when you're on a bike and a car comes whizzing past really close. Yeah. And and it seems like the motorist is thinking, well, hey, I didn't hit you. What are you complaining about? Whereas you are so vulnerable on a bike, and when yep. you know one and a half, two tons of metal comes flying by, eighty, hundred kilometers per hour, and it felt like it was only a few inches away from your handlebars, it's 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 really scary. So you see the human kind of thing, and I, and yeah. I know from my occasional cycling, basically in the gutter of the road, there is a lot of crap. Yeah, uh, there's all sorts of debris, and I know they do their best to clean it up, but there's you know there's debris, there's lumps of this, and you're trying to avoid huge really great drains and coke cans and all the rest of it that the motorist yeah. doesn't see or doesn't impede there so you need extra space to do do a bit of avoidance as well yeah that's right so we yeah if you can just slow down and then just pick your moment as to when when, when to go past because when you actually slow down that gives you time then to, to make the right call but if you come whizzing up behind the cyclist and don't slow down then you're committed you're committed yeah, to that, whatever's going to happen that's true actually and, yeah uh, 
you don't want the worst case scenario. No, um, you, you do not. That, that's life changing. For that, yeah. So yeah, just slow down, um, and that makes just everything flow so much better. Okay, yeah. So that's good, um, and I guess sort of the, the sort of because as we said uh, when we've spoken to transport planners on the show, they they have an awful lot of needs to balance and voices to respond to and ever tightening budgets and stuff but from encouraging the cyclist point of view and i guess messages to you know people like me who are very occasional kind of reluctant cyclists what what would you say to 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 get us out and try cycling a bit more or for the what what would you like to see as yeah good question um i think um try cycling in your own way in terms of what works well for you. Okay. So what I'm saying is that if you think Rocks Road is really dangerous, looks dangerous, you know, those logging trucks, all that traffic, narrow cycle lanes, um, then, yeah, don't ride it. Don't go there because you will be – if you feel that way before you've even ridden it, then you're going to come out of there probably feeling a bit horrified. Well, don't start with that. You know, find a route, find a – if it's just visiting a friend who lives down the road, you know, just get yourself onto a bike you feel comfortable on, that you enjoy riding. Find a route that you enjoy. Ride on a nice sunny day. You know, just (laughs) make it easy. Don't don't, – and start small and get a feel for it and go, yeah, you know what, I enjoyed that. You know, I noticed my fitness is getting a little bit better and – and um, yeah, I enjoyed that little bit of exercise, and and um, yeah, save some money in, in, in terms of um, driving my car. Um, that was fun. What else can I do? Oh well, maybe you want to do some recreational riding and do the Great Taste Trail, or yeah, yep. ride some trails, easy trails, or maybe you could once a week ride your bike to work. Pick a day. Um, but, you know, or maybe you could go do some shopping. Maybe you could put a bag on the back of your bike. So just I, I, what I'm trying to say is start with small okay. fun yeah. steps yeah. and enjoy it. Don't go out there in some horrific ride and go, oh, my God, I'm knackered. I'm wet. I'm cold. I got to work sweaty. It was, it was awful. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying. So, yeah, yeah. make right. it fun. Make it small steps. Yes. Enjoy. Right. And you're doing a great thing for the planet and for yourself and for your wallet. Yeah, like any behavior change, do it. Reward yeah. yourself and take it slowly, yeah. but build up. And yes, but I must yeah. admit, on a on a sunny morning in Nelson, when you're cycling along railway reserve, and you can smell the scents of the plants and hear yep. Yep. the birds singing as you go, yes. like that's that's quite a <laughs> that's quite a good mental well being. It is. You and and you say hi to your fellow cyclists and pedestrians that's on right, the path. Share the path with care. Pedestrians have right away over yep. cyclists. Yep. Give way to cyclists. Ring your bell in in good time, so you don't don't give them a fright if if you're approaching from behind. Um, but enjoy it, yeah. and uh, and then when and then when you get to where you're going, you can go to a cafe and 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 that um, scone or whatever you're going to eat, that muffin. <laughs> you deserve it. You, you've earned it. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, Bevan Woodward, thank you for your time on the show, Drive Live show today. Uh, you've inspired me to have a go at some more cycling than I currently do. So that's 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 an achievement. So I will uh, take you up on that. So you have been listening to the Drive Alive radio show. Thank you to Bevan Woodward and his input. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Uh, do join us then. Bye for now. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show. First broadcast on Fresh FM, the Top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. 
To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.